here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Amen. So we're looking at a, a, a series. one less hand than what I'm used to <laughs> this morning. Uh, we're looking at a series on um, overcoming and uh, really it's a time to, to, to zone in on overcoming fear, stress and anxiety I believe and if it's not for you then you can take what you get here and you can go share it with someone else because I'm sure we all know someone who needs this. We all know someone who needs to, um, to overcome and uh, interesting when I translated overcome into Afrikaans it actually didn't say oorkom it said oorwin. And I like that. It was victory. So it's victory over fear, stress, and anxiety. And I don't know what fear, stress, and anxiety looks like, but you know, some people are really good at hiding it. Some people are really good at internalizing it. Some people are really good at not um, letting other people know how they feel, not letting other people know what's uh, going on. So Isaiah 40 in verse 1, Isaiah 40 in verse 1, your God says to you, comfort, comfort my people with gentle and compassionate words speak tenderly from the heart to revive those in jerusalem and proclaim that their warfare is over her debt of sin is paid for and she will not be treated as guilty prophesy to her that she has received from the hand of yahweh twice as many blessings for all their sins what a what an awesome verse and i just today felt to give you all the, the translations that i use because there's a lot of them and it will hopefully make it a little bit easier um Paul and Chantal, if you guys are struggling with the sound, I know we struggled last week, then you can just revert to the Microsoft camera on the sound setting. Um, it's not as good, but then at least they can hear. So, comfort my people. And that's really a word that God has spoken to me the last two weeks and to us as a church. And um, God says comfort. I mean, there's enough harsh words out there. There's enough stress. There's enough anxiety. There's enough fear. And uh, we don't want to just add to them. And If you tell someone, hey, oh, bangbis, man. Come on. <laughs> the word says, be bold and courageous, mighty man of valor. I don't think it's a time for that type of preaching. I don't think it's a time for that type of teaching. I don't think it's a time for, for that. And I don't want to do Gideon again. I've done it now twice. But you need to listen to last week about how did Gideon come and get up and fight? It wasn't through signs. It wasn't through just professing and confessing braveness. No, it was really a revelation, a progressive revelation of the true nature of God. And that's what we're trying to, to give you as well. And I was so blessed this morning um, in our pre-service meeting just after that, someone came to me um, and she said, well, I just see how the church is really going to come in and uh, we're just going to have testimony after testimony after testimony. And the example that she used was like, well, this person died in the week. I went and ministered to him and he's coming to church this morning. I was like, amen, that's a good testimony. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that testimony. We want to see those type of things. We want, to, we want to come and celebrate not what we've done, but what God has done. Okay, that testimony is not to get a chip on your shoulder. It's uh, to tell people how good God is. And that's really what we want to do. And we want to comfort each other through testimonies as well. Because if God can do it for one person, guess what? He can do it for everyone. Who believes that? Okay, if God has done it for Jerusha, then there's no reason He won't do it for me. If God has done it through Jerusha, then there's no reason He won't want to do it through me. And that's often where we miss it. We think, God, well, God wants to use, God wants to use you, Peter. You got the mic. 
You know what God wants to use me? To comfort you, to teach you, to edify you, to build you up so that you can do the work of the ministry according to Ephesians 4. I'm not doing the work of the ministry. Teachers, pastors, equip the saints to do what? The work of the ministry. And when we are really effective, it's not if we have the biggest hall and the greatest building, it's when we have the saints doing the work of the ministry. That's Jesus' type, type of church. That's Jesus' type of, of family. And if you even look at he, Jesus and the disciples, He sent them out. Luke 10. He sent them out two by two. And He says, go and have fun. <laughs> go and have fun. Go and raise the dead. Go and deliver people of demons. Go and heal the sick. Go and minister. Tell them what? The kingdom of God is at hand. And then often Jesus sends them ahead of Him and then He comes later. Why? He gives them opportunity to partake of the ministry. We had so many testimonies last week. I thought it was, was we didn't meet in a, in a month's time in person. We had so many testimonies this morning, we were almost late for the service again. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it because it means that the saints are doing the work of the ministry. So, we have a responsibility. Yes, we have a responsibility to enjoy the love of God, to share grace and to enjoy that. We have a responsibility to dig into the Word and to see that the law is fulfilled, the prophecies, that we are no longer sinners but saints. We have a desperate need out there for a Savior, so we have a responsibility to share with people that they have a Savior. What is our ministry? The ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of connecting people back to their power source, to God, to their Father. How do we do it? Through love. The goodness of God leads man to repentance. Not a turn or burn message. No, a love, a goodness. The nature of God is to love, to forgive, to enjoy time with you. That's the message that the world is looking for. Why do we have a mental health crisis? Well, there's many reasons, but you know what the real reason is? People don't have the Prince of Peace residing in their hearts. You see sports star after sports star. You see the Olympics. You see people trying to make a stand for anything and everything these days. People are putting out, pulling out of the Olympics to make a point. Like, come on. Let's run the race that is set before us with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the source, the start, the end, and everything in between of our faith. Let's run this race. Let's show the world. Let's live Christ. Let's be hope. Let's shine light. Come on, church. How do we do it? Comfort my people. Comfort my people. I had so many testimonies in the week, so I'm probably going to share quite a few of them. But another one I heard, someone sent me a, a message in the week, and he said, Peter, we left the church on Sunday morning, and I had to go somewhere, I can't remember where it was, and I encountered this person, he's a Christian, and he told me what other Christians has told him. And I was horrified. So I spoke against it. Amen, brother, now you're talking. And I shared the truth, and I shared with him everything that God has, has done for him. I shared the truth of who God is. I counted the lies with the truth. And this guy, the more he shares about what he's done, the more he shares, the more excited he gets, and obviously the longer the voice note gets, amen, praise God, hallelujah. And uh, the, the more he's just like, Peter, it's really so good to share the gospel. I know that guy was blessed, but I was so blessed. And you know what? I've said it for week after week after week. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And this guy went out and he did it and he, now he believes. <laughs> Why? Because he tried it. Think about the day you got born again. If you haven't, today is your day because today is the day of salvation. We'll deal with that a little bit later. But that was amazing. I remember my born again experience. That was amazing. 
What had happened? I received Christ. I received the living word. I received the good news. Because that's the only way. If you never received the word of God, the gospel of your salvation, you are not born again, even if you prayed the sinner's prayer. If you don't believe me, go read the book of James. Because it's the seed that produces life. And without the seed, you cannot produce life. Ask your dad. So you need the seed to be birthed in your heart and then you are born from above. So where does the seed come from? It's from God. Therefore you are now a child of God. It's not praying the sinner's prayer. It's not feeling bad about your past. It's about receiving the good news of what Jesus has done, your Savior, your life. Sinner is missing a crucial part. So it's receiving that part that you've always missed. And when you receive that part, you're born from above. You're born and you're made in the image and likeness of God. Everything that Adam and Eve messed up, you've got so much more. Don't believe me? Go read Romans 5, the much more chapter of the Bible. Much more than Adam and Eve messed up. Much more, much more. What about sin? Grace is much more. We look at this. Twice as many blessings as all her sins. Twice as many blessings. There's a double payment. Everyone wants a double portion. You cannot have a double portion, ladies and gentlemen. Because you have the fullness of who God is living in a body, according to Colossians 2, verse 9 and 10. You can't have two Holy Spirits. Because then you are having another spirit. But you have all of the spirit, so you don't need double anointing. You've got all of God in you. Christ inside of you. Yes, we read that before. Colossians 1.27. What is Christ inside of you? To make you rich and famous. No. The hope of eternal glory. The God kind of glory. The light that the world is looking for. Many rich and famous people are committing suicide left, right and center. Many rich and famous people are in their fourth marriage or more. Many rich and famous people, I don't believe they sleep well at night. They, they're addicted. They're on substances. They're on sleeping tablets. Let's be true. Let's be real this morning. My job is to be true, but my job is to comfort you. So what I'm telling you this morning is the things that we are striving for is not the things that's going to make us happy unless it's godly things. Because godliness with contentment is great gain. And don't think that gain is a form of godliness. And if you don't believe me, again, go read 1 Timothy 6. Your bank statement does not show the health of your spiritual condition. Your bank balance does not reflect the level of your faith. Amen. <laughs> you can see it in someone's eyes. If they have Jesus. You can see it. You can see contentment. You can feel it. You are at peace with that person around you, with you, around you. You want to be there. You don't feel less. A true minister of the gospel does not make you feel inferior. Instead, it stirs up what is in you. Calls out the gold. Lifts you up and says, hey man, let's run this race together. Let's look hand in hand. Let's go forward. Jeremiah 31 verse 25, For I have saturated the weary soul, and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. What did I say about a pit stop? Saturated, filled up, fully satisfied, the word saturated. Ask yourself this morning, are you fully satisfied? The answer probably is no. <laughs> Again, if I'm honest, you should be honest too. And then the question we need to ask is why? Why are we not fully satisfied? And we'll look at the answers. Verse 26, After this I awoke and looked around, 
and my sleep was sweet to me. Our sleep really is a, an indication of our spiritual condition. Now, even if that doesn't mean you, you're not allowed to lie awake, okay? David said, sometimes I lie down and I sleep at once, the psalmist says. But other times he says, I lie down and I listen and I think and I meditate and I speak to God and I think about God. So it's not about not lying awake. I mean, Natasha and my uh, biological rhythms are so that even if, the, um, if Jordan doesn't wake up now at three in the morning, we do. <laughs> I'm sure there's other parents who know what that feeling is like. And you just go check if he's all right. So that doesn't mean that I'm worried. It just means I want to see if he's cold or he's like, he's okay. But I wake up now. So, and then do you just fall back to sleep? Well, you hope you do. You don't always do. But look at Psalm 63. Verse 6 and 7 says, lie, I lie awake each night thinking of you and reflecting on how you help me like a father. I sing through the night. Okay, if you're married, just be careful. <laughs> if you have, uh, live close to your neighbors, also think about them. I sing through the night under your splendor shadow, offering up to you my songs of delight and joy. Jesus often spent the night with his father. It's a mindset of where we are. Contentment is more than a mindset. It is found in your character. I'm going to say that again. Contentment really is what we're looking at this morning. Contentment as a key to peace, a key to overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Because you have to think about what does contentment mean. Contentment means I don't need anything else. I don't need anything more. And we said last week, all our worries are birthed in this world. Whether we like it or not. Unless it's an unsaved loved one. That's not a worry, it's an invitation. I'll say that again. An unsaved loved one is not something you worry about, it's something that you do something about. And if you've done it, then you do it again, or you pray that God would send others across their path, but you don't stop. You don't worry about them. We share the gospel. God said, give all, my worry, all your worries to me. Contentment is Character. Contentment is really who someone is. Think about the people you know who come across as content. I hope we all know a few. They're the people who are happy with what they've got. Jesus said it. Hebrews 13.5 quotes it. Be content with what you have, because what you have is amazing. <laughs> That's really the key. What's the key to contentment? It's not saying, oh, I don't want anything else. No, it's realizing what you have and how awesome that is. That is the key to contentment. Contentment is not about everything that I don't want or have or don't want. Or you want to take it closer yourself and honor. No? Like, oh, no, I'm so happy. Oh, we got enough. Like, this house is big enough. This car is good enough. This, you're just actually trying to, to convince yourself. But it's not about things. It's about the spirit in you. Christ inside of you. The hope of what? Glory. Look at James 1 20, uh, verse 2. From the New Living Translation, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Remember, I'm comforting you this morning. Now. <laughs> James is, 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 is different. James is the same person who called Jesus and said, Hey man, you've gone crazy. Stop putting our family name out there. But then what happens is Jesus appears to him after the cross and all of a sudden he becomes born again. All of a sudden he becomes a pillar in the church in Jerusalem and all of a sudden he writes a letter that's so full of wisdom and practical application. He says, 
When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I'll be honest, I'm not there. But think of a life where you are there. Oh, another problem. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Oh, another problem. And then you smile even more. Why would we ever get there? It is because of what we have. We need to live this life inside out, not outside in. But, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I would not consider that normal behavior. Your family might think that you're a little cuckoo. Oh, another problem. And your mom phones you with bad news and you just say, oh, thank you. Another opportunity for joy. But we can get there. In a world that is so comfort and safety driven, what could possibly be the benefit of troubles? A world where success is determined by how comfortable you live and how safe you are, how healthy you are, all those things, how much in control you are probably. Verse 3 says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. That's why we are happy for troubles. Not for trouble's sake, for faith's sake, for character's sake. When we have opportunities to grow, what then happens? Then we grow. Your endurance has a chance to grow. I don't know about you, but I think we're there. It's been a while with this lockdown thing, with this mask wearing thing, with businesses struggling, with, with everything. And I'd, like I said many times, we're all in the same storm, but we're all in different boats. So it might affect you different to anyone else. But I just think we have an opportunity for our endurance to grow. <laughs> it's like when you run one kilometer and tomorrow you run two and then you run three, you have an opportunity to grow. It's not always fun, but it's nice when you've done it, isn't it? If we're going to look back at lockdown, at COVID, at the pandemic, we are writing now the chapters of our lives in history. We are writing the chapters of church history right here as we sit this morning. And we're going to look back at pandemic and we're going to look back at all the bad things and we're going to say, listen, the church endured. In fact, the church grew. In fact, these and these and these and these people were added to the kingdom of God. We don't see the number growth right now, but I see the depth. I see the, the hope of glory rising up in people. I see this picture constantly of a, of a volcano being stirred up, of hearing that rumbling of, of, of what is happening on the insides of the members of the church. And I know that it's going to come forth and it's going to be glorious. It's going to be beautiful. Why? Because we're learning to endure. We're learning to, to, to push on. We're learning what it is about. We're learning what church is about. Church is not about a Sunday. Yes, we come together on a Sunday and we celebrate, but that is not what church is. That is part of what church is. Look at verse 4. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Wow. I know this is not so comfortable, is it? Neither is it for me. <laughs> It says when troubles come, we should be joyous because when we have then the opportunity to learn to endure in faith, and when we reach the full endureness, then it says when it is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So it's a purging. It's a, it, it's a, it, we're speaking about troubles come and all the niceties of this world then probably falls away, but then you realize what you focus on, you realize what you have, and you realize how important and how valuable that is. And then you come to contentment when you don't need anything. 
And that's where Matthew 6 says, when you get there, God adds things. So that's the side effect. What's the side effect of not needing anything? God's probably going to add some things. <laughs> God's not against you having money or things. God just doesn't want money or things to have you. For it's the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things, and the cares of this world that, that, that choke you. When you wake up at night and you're like sweaty and uncomfortable, it's because there's a choking and it's not from God. When your endurance is fully developed, you will need nothing. Nothing. I don't know if you realize this, but the more things we have, the more things we need. If you have a camera, you need a charger. If you have a phone, you need a cover. If you have a car, you need a garage. If you have a trailer, you need a tow bar. It just never stops. The more things you have, the more things you need. And God says, don't worry about things. Because if you start worrying about things, then like, you need to worry about more things. And more things and more things. I said, yeah, every phone needs a cover, every outfit needs an accessory, and every meal needs a source. So when James, the half-brother of Jesus, talks about needs, he has something completely different in mind. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, there you go, ask your generous God or our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Proverbs 4.7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get understanding. What do we get? We get wisdom, we get understanding. And while we know that Christ has become unto us wisdom. So when we're in trouble, we don't look for ways to get out of trouble. We look for the one who's going to get us out of that trouble. We look for Jesus. When we need to be creative and flexible in our businesses and in our, our plans and our families and our holiday plans. We've all had to adjust holiday plans, I'm sure. But don't ask for a new rental. Ask for wisdom. Ask for creativity. Use that opportunity as a ministry. James 1.6 but when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Not, do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Divided loyalty there speaks about doubting. Be honest. Do you maybe feel washed out like a wave of the sea? Ask yourself this morning. Remember, you want to you leave different than what you came this morning. Otherwise, why did you come? You want to get stirred up. You want to get challenged a little bit, hopefully. It's not a great service when everyone leaves with a smile and feels comforted. And we have pizza and chocolates and you come back for ice cream next week. That's not success. Some churches do that. That's why I know that. It's when you leave and you grow. When you're challenged. When you have more contentment in this week that's coming than the one that's passed. That's when we grow. Do you feel unstable in any way? There's moments I feel unstable, I'll be honest. There's moments where I feel like, God, what's happening? And, and, and what should we be doing? And, and, and what's the next phase? And, and that's not wrong to ask those things, but always know that He's good. Always know that He's for you, not against you. Always know that your sins are forgiven. That's a good one. Always live from that place. If you're living your Christian life to overcome sin, then you're living too small. The purpose of the Christian is not to overcome sin. That was Jesus' job. The purpose of the Christian is to go into all the world and share the gospel with every creature. James 1.8, from the King James this time, says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So, do you believe that God is good? Do you allow God to be God in your life? Why do we worry? Because we want to control. Whose job is it to control? God's job. 
We reign, we speak, but He is the one that ultimately who we trust. Don't be double-minded when it comes to trusting God because a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. New Living Translation, their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Jesus prayed for us in John 17 that we would live in this world. But we're not of this world. So we don't need to hide in a corner. We are in the world, but we're not living for it. We're living because the world needs us. Remember where we started, James 1, 2. Let's overcome fear, stress, and anxiety with contentment. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it opportunity for great joy. Never seen that on a fridge magnet. Or a greeting card. Or a bookmark. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. What is a temptation? A temptation is something that steals your focus and changes the course of your life. It is trying to divide your attention. It's fighting for mind space. James 1.13 And remember when you are being tempted, and do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Okay. Truth bomb. Temptation does not come from God. I remember when I thought that. It's a nice excuse. Then you blame God for all the wrong you do. I've been there. <laughs> and then I heard, oh, well, it wasn't God, it was me. And then you need to look yourself in the mirror, and then what happens next is you realize you need God. So it actually builds trust and faith, and your relationship with Him grows much stronger. So where does temptation come from? Verse 14, temptation comes from your own desires. Thank you for asking. Which entices us and drags us away. Matthew 4, 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. See, my job is to share the word. Your job is to hear the word, but it doesn't stop there. Because it says then, verse 19, And the cares of this world. Stress, fear, and anxiety is born in this world. And the deceitfulness of riches. And the lust of other things. Entering in, choke the word, and becomes unfruitful. It's not the word's fault if it's unfruitful. And if you don't see fruit in your life, it doesn't mean you're not receiving good word, good seed. It might mean that you're choking the word through your worries, through fears, through things of this world, deceitfulness of riches. So how do we deal with this? How do we overcome these temptations and lusts? We need to zone in on the source of peace. Can I say this? There's no peace to be found in things. There's no peace to be found in experiences. There's no peace to be found in food or drinks. Make you feel better for a moment and then you regret that chocolate cake that you had. Specifically if it was two slices. <laughs> Who's ever had that extra coffee and you knew you shouldn't have it and you have a headache for the rest of the day? The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. And then you suffer. It's nice in the moment, but we're not living for the moment. We're living for eternity. So when we make decisions, we need to live with the eternity that's in our hearts, according to Ecclesiastes. It says there's eternity in our hearts. So why are people stressed and fearful and anxious? It's because they are either not knowing about that eternity, or they're trying to, they know about it, and they're trying to put it away. They're trying to quiet that yearning for eternal purpose, eternal longing, eternal belonging, eternal life, if you will. That's really why people are trying to, to, to still that and keep themselves busy with many other things. But look at this. We have... The promise. We have the Prince of Peace. We have the answer. So what I've given you is a little bit of what the world is in. 
And some of us, let's be honest, our feet are a little bit dipped in there as well. I'll, I'll, I'll confess to that as well. Because we want things and we need things and, 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 and we want to, to move and we want to be effective and we want to be creative and we want to be successful. So what is the one single source of peace that we can all draw from? It's Jesus. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. That's so important. It's different. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And it's really in our hands. It's really, really in our hands. I had an experience like that this morning. <laughs> so at quarter past four this morning, Jordan, the eight-month-old that stays with us, decides that he's now hungry and awake. I get up, and I think it's going to be quick, quick. You just change the nappy, give him a few sips, put him to bed, and then I can maybe squeeze in another hour before I need to get up for church. Jordan didn't read that book. Jordan wasn't on the same page as I was. And I sit there, and now I'm thinking, wow, it's Sunday, it's early morning, it's two services, and I need to be prepared and rested and ready because I want to be a good minister and I want to enjoy my family and I want to enjoy people. So now I, I, I have good intentions, but now what I'm doing is I'm letting my heart be troubled because now I'm not going to be there, do that, feel like this. And it's all just a mindset. It's a decision. And I will say that I, I, I failed this morning. <laughs> and I have an awesome wife who helps me in my shortcomings and she said well you go lie down a bit just calm yourself down and and she took over <laughs> and then i realized i let my heart be troubled because whether i'm there worrying about it or not it's not, it doesn't change in fact the more anxious you get the more the less he sleep i'm sure the parents know that the more you want him to sleep they don't they just don't go for it <laughs> So if I was better in control of myself and let not my heart be troubled and Jesus, you're my Prince of Peace, you're my source of life, praying in the Spirit, which I probably should have done, then it might have been five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes and we would back to sleep. But now there's tension building and he's picking it up and now that whole thing goes out of control. Not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And fear, ladies and gentlemen, is such a big thing in our lives and our hearts in the world currently. So let's camp just here for a bit. I want to look at two other translations. It says, John 14, 27, in the New Living Translation, says, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. A gift peace that brings peace to mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. I love that. What we get from Jesus, we cannot get in the world. So do not be troubled or afraid. Maybe you're not afraid but a little troubled. Trouble is sort of the start of fear. I'm, not, I'm a bit unsettled. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I'm not 100% made my mind up. No, I'm not afraid, but I'm just a little unsettled. The Passion says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world. I like that. Worldly peace is for a moment. But my perfect peace, don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your heart. It's a decision. 
Now, what's interesting, as many, many verses in the New Testament, it picks up from the Old. And these are the same words that Moses gave before he died to Joshua. And it's quoted in Deuteronomy, and it's quoted in Joshua, but let's look at Deuteronomy 31. It says, Then Moses called Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear, neither be dismayed. When I read that, I was like, that sounds familiar. So now it's in John 14, it's in Deuteronomy 31, it's in Joshua, but it's also in Hebrews. Hebrews 13.5, which we know well, maybe not for all the right reasons, says, Let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 6 says, So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13.5 is not just about God with you. It includes that. But let's unpack this for a moment. It basically summarizes, I think, everything that I've said to you this morning. Let your conduct, let your lives, let your livelihood be with what? without covetousness. What is covetousness? It's wanting more, wanting different, wanting something you don't have. Covetousness is the opposite of contentment, if you will agree with me. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Remember, we're looking at how to overcome fear, stress, and anxiety still. How do we do that? Because that's what it says in verse 6. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We want to get there. Who wants to get there? Who wants to live there? I don't want to fear. God helps me. I'm bold as a lion. Shut up, world. Okay? I want to live there. But there's a way we get there. Obviously, it's Jesus, yes. And I was thinking, like, Lord, I prepared this message. Is there enough Jesus in it? It is, because I'm going to show you now, that is why we are content. Because we have Jesus. Because we have the fullness of Him in us. Be content with what you have. Why? That's a good question. How can I be content with what I have, Peter? You don't know what I have. You don't know how little I have, or how much I have, or what I have, or you don't know all the troubles I have. Be content with what you have. Because it's not about what you have, it's about who you have. And he answers it there, he says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Quoting Deuteronomy, quoting Joshua, quoting John 14. When we see that, then we know God is serious about this. <laughs> the same God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, quoted that through Moses to Joshua, quoted it through Jesus to his disciples, and now through the writer of Hebrews to us, the church. Starts with contentment. Because if you have enough, you have enough. You don't need more. Then you're going to rest. You're going to sleep at night. You're not going to dream about other things. You're not going to be worried about things. Cares of this world. Deceitfulness of riches. Because that's why richness is, riches is what you need to get things. Be content with what you have. Because what you have is amazing. What you have is Jesus. What you have is everything you need. So we may boldly say, verse 6, this is where we get to. We have Jesus and now we boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? How do we overcome fear, stress and anxiety? We are content because what we have is amazing. And if we're not sure, then we go and find out what we have. And what we have is Jesus. 
And let there be light. Amen. <laughs> what we have is the Prince of Peace. What we have is what the world cannot give us. So we can't go looking for what we need in the world if the world can't give it to us. We need to look for it with Jesus. The Lord is my helper. I'm not my own helper. I'm not my own keeper. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Being content by realizing who we have. Receiving Jesus' kind of peace which leads to overcoming fear, stress and anxiety. If you realize who you have, you have the Prince of Peace living on the inside of you. You have the Provider living on the inside of you. You have the Savior living on the inside of you. You have the hope of the world, the Prince of Glory, the Son of His love, the light, the salt, the earth. You've got the fullness of who God is now in the body. What more do we need? And then it says, your Father knows what you need. So even if you, there's things we don't know we need. There's times in my life like, I'm like, Lord, why did I get this? And then three more, four months later, something else happens and then I realize, oh, I didn't know I needed this, but, but I needed it. God knew. And then you see how it all comes together. So we can't even work for everything we think we need because we don't know everything we need. We can't even pray for everything we think we need because we don't know everything we need. So why worry about what we need if your Father knows what you need? And what do you need more than everything else in the world? Eternal life. That's the one problem everyone has in this world is that when we close our eyes, we're going to open them somewhere else. And whether you're the richest man or the poorest man in this world, that's the same for all of us. But when we have Jesus, when we have eternal life, when we have the Prince of Peace, the hope of glory, then we can start sharing that. We can start living from that place of contentment. And like Matthew 6 says, then all these other things will be added unto you. I'm leaving you with the gift of peace in mind and heart. And the peace Jesus gave is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. It's not about fighting that. It's about waking up to the reality of who Jesus is and where He is. Of how big He is, how, what a Savior He is, how powerful He is, and then realizing that through His Spirit, Christ now lives in us, the believers. And what does the world need really, really, really? What is the, the deepest need? Eternal life. We cannot give everyone next to the road money, probably. Maybe we can. Maybe they don't want to. But we can give everyone Jesus. We can give everyone love. We can give everyone a smile. We can comfort them. Comfort my people. Tell them their sins have been forgiven. With a weary heart. Speak tenderly. Revive them. Proclaim that their warfare is over. Her debt of sin is paid. She will not be treated as guilty. Prophesy to her that she has received from the hand of Yahweh twice as many blessings as all her sins. If we share that, if we speak out and step out in that, then the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the eyes of His glory and grace. Amen. Won't you stand with me?
Father, we come to you this morning and we want to just say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for peace, the Prince of Peace. Thank you for an invitation to contentment. I don't, I don't believe God is expecting us to leave here just content. I believe it's going to take some renewal. It's going to take some change of mind, change of thinking, change of even lifestyle. Because what you behold is what you become. But I really believe God is inviting us to embark on this journey of renewal with Him. To stop fighting and trying to keep up with the Joneses, with the neighbors, with your family. To stop having this list, even a bucket list. I mean, I've seen places that was never on my bucket list by just following Jesus. I went up, Statue of Liberty, not up, I went there. I went up the Empire State Building. That wasn't on my bucket list. I was just going on a mission trip. Because Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, exceedingly above what you can ask, think, dream or imagine. He wants to do in you, but He wants to do it through you, through the power that lives, that works in us. So let's stop playing small. Let's stop dreaming as the world dreams. Let's start trusting God, our Father, who knows exactly what we need. Let's enjoy that, that intimacy. 2 Peter 3 and verse 13 says, But we look for new heavens and a new earth according to His promise in which righteousness, uprightness, freedom from sin, and right standing with God is to abide. So, beloved, since you are expecting these things, be eager to be found by Him at His coming, without spot or blemish and at peace. <laughs> That's really good. So many people want to be without sin when Jesus comes, but Jesus invites you to be at peace when He comes. To be content when He comes. To be fulfilled. To be happy. It says, in serene confidence, free from fears, and agitating passions and moral conflicts. I'm going to read it again. It's the Amplified Classic. It says, so beloved, since you are expecting these things, be eager to be found by Him at His coming, without spot or blemish. We know that because of grace we are without spot or blemish. And at peace, in serene confidence, free from fears, and agitating passions and moral conflicts. So if you're struggling with any of that, I just believe God wants to, to help you. God invites you to, to live in the Jesus kind of life. To live in peace. His peace. Not as the world gives. Not fragile peace that's here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, on a long weekend, we all feel a little bit more at peace. And then Monday comes and, oh, Monday is public holiday. So we feel a little bit more at peace. And then Tuesday comes. That's fragile. It's not based on the day of the week. It's not based on... Your net worth. Your net worth is what someone was willing to pay for you. Your net worth is Christ. Not what your banking app says. 
Not what your wardrobe says. Not what your car says. Not what your address says. That's not what you are worth. You are worth Jesus. If you go out of here, you want to go buy a coffee, you're going to pay 30 rand for it, you say 30 rand is worth the coffee. I'd rather part with that 30 rand than not have the coffee. God said, I'd rather part with my son than not have you. And if He freely gave us Jesus, won't He with Him also give us everything we need? You see, the real miracle, I believe, is not raising the dead, it's living content. Because when you find contentment, faith will rise in your heart, thankfulness, humility, meekness, and then you will raise the dead. Because otherwise you're just going to be unthankful that you haven't raised the dead yet. Be content with what you have, not with what you've done. Because what you have is Jesus. Maybe you're not living your dream job yet. Maybe you're not living in your dream home yet. Be content with what you have. I'm amazed how often Paul writes to slaves. And it doesn't invite them to rebellion. It invites them to humility. To servitude. Because Paul, for one, realized we're not living in this world, for this world. We're not living from this world. The prisoner writing to slaves. Say, hey, serve your master. But what if it's a horrible master? Serve your master as Christ served the church. What if they're Christians and they treat me wrong? Even more so, he says. Serve them. Why? Because you're not serving to get. You're serving because you've got. You're not working to get. Yes, you need money, but you work because you have Jesus. This, your job is a mission field. Your job is where you go share Jesus. Yes, and there's money that comes in for that. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's not why you're there. For God so loved the people you work with that He sent you. But you're not going to go there to try and impress Him because then you're going to burn out. You're going to go there full of Jesus. Realizing that, waking up to that reality. Not making it a work. Making it overflow. Drawing from the well of life that is inside of you. Stirring up the gift that you're not trying to get that you've got. And guess what? Some people might just get wet with the gospel. Some people might just get healed. Some people might just get raised from the dead. Amen. Same people will get set free. When they look at you and the hope that is in you. Christ, our glory, our payment, our provider, our saviour. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.